Life Curious Women, where you will find honest conversations exploring women's experiences learning, growing, and healing. I'm your host, Ashley Nadine Lopez, and I am excited for you to join our collective learning experience. Welcome back, Life Curious Women, to Season 2, Episode 2. Our guest today is Yvonne Winkler, the CEO of Lotus Consulting, an organization on a mission to support women's well-being through empowerment, harmony, and collaboration. She is also a speaker and author of her new book, Freedom Seeker. Her story is so fascinating and inspiring. We get into how her family sacrificed their lives to escape communism in East Germany and landed all the way in Canada. We talk about learning a new language, fitting in, and eventually making it out of her town to work a successful corporate career in business. And lastly, how following her intuition led to quitting her job, traveling, and eventually writing her book, detailing her experience, Seeking Freedom. I'm excited for you all to hear all about it. Take a listen. I'm quickly interrupting this episode to tell you all about my New Year's resolution this year, which is to read more books. 12 books to be specific, one book per month. Now, between being an actor, working full-time, and running Life Curious Women, it can be a little bit hard to find time to actually sit down and read a book. So to make this goal a little bit easier, I came across Audible. Audible lets you enjoy all your audio entertainment in one place. You'll always find the best of what you love or something new to discover. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from bestsellers and new releases to celebrity memoirs, mystery and thrillers, motivation, wellness, business, and much more. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog, including bestsellers and new releases. You also get full access to a growing selection of audiobooks, Audible originals, and podcasts. The app makes it super easy to listen anytime, anywhere, while traveling, commuting on the train, working out, walking, doing your chores, anything you decide. New members can try Audible for free for 30 days. All you have to do is go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash lifecuriouswomen. So if you're looking for a way to read more books, and support this podcast, this is the perfect way. Now, let's get back to the episode. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to hear all about your story and get to know you a little bit better. So I like to start every episode with just how you describe yourself as a person. And it doesn't have to do, you know, necessarily with career or anything, but just sort of for those listening who don't know who you are, who you are. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love this question. It's actually one of my favorite questions Um, because we aren't just defined by how we 
how we make money. We are, you know, we are human beings and there's so much more to us than just our work or our career. Um, so I'm Yvonne Winkler and I'm a woman first and foremost, uh, who spends most of her time looking for ways to make my life more enjoyable, looking for ways to make it more fun, looking for ways to, uh, live it more, more vital, live with more vitality, have more vitality. I love spending time expanding my mind, uh, learning new things. I love laughing. Laughing is one of my favorite things. Um, so I, I love surrounding myself with funny people. Um, you know, seeing, um, seeing a good joke in the world is, is definitely is, is, needed right now more than ever. So that's what I love doing. Um, I, I spend a lot of time finding new ways to reduce stress and improve uh, lifestyle, my lifestyle, but also that of my clients. I like my grandmother. I love walking that it's one of my favorite activities or move, ways to move my body. Uh, I love getting out in nature. I live on the West coast of uh, British Columbia where we are on the Pacific Ocean, and I I love walking, beach combing, and looking for for rocks and pebbles and uh, other things that you can find along uh, the beach. Um, we have shells uh, as well, and um, I love gardening. I love being in nature. I getting my hands dirty is definitely a, a great way for me to reduce stress, and um, I have a three year old puppy. I love, I'm a mommy to a three-year-old puppy. She's a schnauzer, miniature schnauzer, and she's the most adorable thing ever. Uh, of course I'm biased, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I think she's the, she's the most beautiful dog in the world. And she brings me a lot of joy. She, she was also a, um, a result of me looking for more ways to improve uh, my, just my, my well-being. And I'm uh, professionally, I'm a best-selling author, I'm uh, a speaker, and I'm a coach for women. That is such a beautiful summary of who you are. So thank you for sharing. <laughs> so I kind of want to just dive into your story. Mm -hmm. And a little bit of that I know is that you immigrated from Germany. And um, I'd love to hear more about your journey, not only like immigrating, but then developing in a brand new environment and growing, how was that for you? And, you know, what were the things that were interesting about it and exciting? And what were the things that were difficult? That's such a loaded question. So let's see how, where we can unpack it. Um, we immigrated from, from Germany. My goodness, I would say I should know this because I just wrote a book on it. Um, but numbers <laughs> are not my thing. Uh, I want to say well over, well, 30, almost not quite 30 years, but 27 or so years ago. Um, and before we immigrated to Canada, we actually left former communist Germany. And the in a nutshell for your listeners um, who may not have been around when the wall came down, uh, the fastest way to summarize what life was like on the other side is the Hunger Games. That's always my my reference. Uh, most most of us are familiar with the with the story, the Hunger Games, and uh, much like Sector Nine, we were that was what East Germany was like. Uh, we were uh, 
communists. We were controlled. We didn't have any freedoms. We didn't, we, it was, everything was very much um, controlled by the government. And my parents bravely attempted to flee that system, which you can read about in in my book. It didn't, uh, we weren't successful in the initial try. And uh, when we finally uh, got to West Germany, we lived there for four years or so uh, before my dad decided that that wasn't our final destination either. And we immigrated to Canada. Um, and we immigrated actually on the East Coast. We were just above New York. Uh, we were in Nova Scotia, Canada. That's where we landed. And um, what was that like? Well, it was a culture shock. Um, I didn't come from a big city or anything. It wasn't that the culture shock was in the size of the, of the place per se. Um, but Canada is culturally very, very different from Germany. And, um, where we landed was also very secluded. We literally had like our nearest neighbor was, you know, 15 minute drive. And then to get to a grocery store was like, 25 to 30 minute drive. So we were wow. very secluded where we ended up. And uh, again, I wasn't from a big city, but in Germany, everything is bigger than, you know, a 15 minute drive to a grocery store. So <laughs> um, it was definitely a big shock for my system. On top of that, I was a teenager. And if we all think back on what that was like, uh, teenage life is rough. Like there are so many social components already for us to deal with integrating myself into um and into a high school which obviously our school system was different as well uh integrating ourselves into a high school was um <laughs> was challenging um we've all seen the movies uh you know with the the clicks the girls and the you know so um that was my life that was my reality i wasn't um i wasn't quite liked by by most people because I was the new girl and a threat maybe to to some of the some of the girls in school and and or they thought I was and so I didn't enjoy high school um it was actually it was so activating for me that um I I believe that a lot of my stress mechanisms of how I cope with the world started there began there um, you know, such as perhaps drinking, uh, smoking, um, things like that, behaviors that somehow let me feel like I was in control over my life. So those were the initial stages. Obviously, I didn't know that then. But, uh, you know, working through the book writing process, I definitely um, unraveled a lot of those those components. Coming into uh, Canada, did you already speak English? Did you have to learn I thank you for that. That's actually a big one um, mm -hmm. was as a teenager, you know, coming to a new place and being integrated into a school where everything was already, I mean, I was in grade nine. So a lot of people already had their, um, mm -hmm. their existing groups, their social groups. Right. Um, and I didn't speak English. I wouldn't say at all. I had some English education from Germany, but uh, it was poor. So I remember my very first day of school, I came home with such a, a tremendous headache. I, uh, it turned into a migraine and I went to sleep literally right away because imagine um, trying to understand a foreign language all day long, not just in a learning setting, but also in a social setting. 
not having a break at all of anyone hearing or understanding you, it was, it was very tiring and it was, um, it was exhausting. And when it came to the integration process, it was very difficult because we communicate with language. So not being able to say what I think, or maybe coming across uh, with my boundaries in place um, was definitely um, a bit of a setback for me. I was yeah. uh, fortunate. Uh, it wasn't all bad. I was fortunate. I had, uh, for example, one English teacher and she, I, I'm so grateful for her because she took me under her wing and really helped me navigate um, the school system, selecting the right courses so that I could set myself up for the future in a much better way. So I didn't end up uh, missing out on opportunities because um, I would uh, attach myself to the label of not speaking well enough English or whatnot. She was like not having any of that. She said, <laughs> no, you, you can learn and you will, you will get this. And uh, she pushed me for sure. And what did I, you know, throw up a fight. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm super grateful for her today um, that she did because that ended up um, putting me into a course setting that allowed me to go to university and become the person that I am today. So I'm right. really grateful. How did that transition happen? So, you know, you're 14, 15, you don't really know the language. You already feel like you're an outcast <laughs> at that age, no matter where you're at. And then not only that aspect are you navigating, but you have to take tests, write papers, whatever the mm -hmm. case is. Yes. How how did that transition into you being able to even do any of that? Mm -hmm. I mean, did um, you have assistance within the school system or was it more on yourself? It was it was my English teacher. She was definitely a, a part of that living in in the place where that's all you hear it certainly helps to integrate into the language very quickly so it didn't take me long to uh to understand english uh fluently <laughs> and then it took me maybe another uh 6 months to speak it uh, relatively fluently uh i think the teachers gave me a bit of a break when it came to the correctness of grammar and spelling per se but with gentle pushing and other than that, it was uh, one of the, um, we had, um, we in immigrated as business owners. And part of that, of course, came with st some staff we needed, we had to rely on staff because we needed them to help us with English, with the communication between the different vendors and whatnot. And uh, one of them, her name was Sharon, and she had a daughter my age who she introduced me to, uh, so that I had someone I knew, um, right away to, to go to school with and show me the ropes, so to speak. And she also helped me after school. She helped me a lot. And so did, uh, her daughter. Um, we, we sat lots and did homework together. And, um, I had a helping hand in that for sure. It wasn't, I wasn't all on my own in that. And some of the teachers, uh, there was there's two or three teachers I can think of that really just took it on them on themselves and went above and beyond their their role to really help me get through high school and uh, <laughs> and make the best of it. <laughs> okay, so now okay, so you are getting your footing. You're going through high school. Did things improve for you? Did you feel better as you went through your years and into university? 
And was there ever a moment when you felt resentful or angry for leaving Germany? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> I There were many moments I felt angry and resentful, especially um, because we had just come from East Germany. So we... I had just reestablished a, a social network. I mean, I left, we, my parents and I, we left everything we knew behind when we left our hometown. Um, so I had just established a new uh, circle of friends. Uh, I had just integrated myself into that school system in Germany and just gotten, you know, learned the ropes. And, um, and then I have to leave that again to go uh to go to Canada and start all over again so the the messaging I, what I remember I actually very distinctly said what's the point I'm not I'm not going to make friends anymore because I always have to leave them and I think that was such a significant um moment in my life because it set me up for closing off my heart uh I I that was literally when I threw up the walls uh, to letting people close to me and vice versa, me getting to know people on a deeper level, because what was the point? I was going to leave them again anyways. And that trickled into my um, my primary relationships as well as uh, friendships and just acquaintances. Uh, so I, I definitely had resentment at that time, but I wasn't, I didn't hold, like my resentment didn't show in that I lashed out. I leaned into it. I tried to, uh, I mean, we didn't have time to really be, be resentful at, at that time because we were running a business. We were trying to make it as immigrants in Canada, um, trying to establish ourselves here. And that took, because I was the only one who had a little bit of a grasp of English. I was also very involved in the family business. So I didn't have time for, um, you know, for, throwing tantrums if you will wow um, so there was a lot going mm -hmm. on for you 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 had to yeah be an adult essentially yes. <laughs> yeah yes. I had to grow up really fast mm -hmm. yeah and oh I forget now what you asked me uh in relationship to this uh, yeah you, so you know, I was I, resentful I, did it get I, better yes did it get better it did. did it get better yes <laughs> it did absolutely I mean you know it's it's through those I think we all know that it's those experiences that shape us and it did get better in high school. It, it motivated me to get to university. I wanted out of that place so badly that I did everything I could to like, I knew getting to university was my ticket out of that town. And so I, uh, I put myself literally rolled up my sleeves and I put myself in a position to find support and uh, tutors and mentors to get me through high school in the best way so that I can uh, apply to university and get accepted. And I did get accepted. And I, I went to university where things got a little worse first before they got better, because of course the curriculum and the learning again, reading these, these massive textbooks uh, was a challenge for me because it wasn't my mother language. Uh, I had to still translate lots, sit there with my translator book because we didn't have iPhones then to, you know, plug that stuff yeah. in and <laughs> right. get it translated. So I had my little Langscheid um, translator book. And so many times I had to go back and, and 
write out what it meant in English or what it meant in German. So, but it got better overall. Yes, I, I, you know, started to form new friends, um, interests, and um, graduated from university. And then that was my ticket out of Nova Scotia. And that was when I said, I'm, I'm going to explore other places in Canada before I uh, make that my final destination. So that was probably my first reach for freedom on my own terms, uh, you know, without my parents uh, giving their blessings per se. I mean, my mm. mom and dad never stood in my way of exploring new things and new ways. Um, did they love it that I moved like literally across the country uh, to the other side? <laughs> no. Uh, and um, we managed just fine. So now we go from you having to learn the language to writing a book. So mm. that is just, it's so admirable from my stance because, you know, you have two options when you are faced with obstacles in your life and either you take it and you use it or you go the complete opposite direction, right? And I feel like you took it and you you used that to sort of fuel you forward, as you said, you know, applying mm -hmm. to university, knowing that like you needed support in that. And, and that is just so mature on so many levels. <laughs> but But yeah. now, you know, you're an author and you've written your own book. How, how did you get there? How, how did you get from leaving university being like, okay, I'm going to find my, my place. Did you always know that you wanted to be a speaker and help other women mm -hmm. and write books? Or did that start that that stem from something else? Wow, this is such a wonderful question. Um, so give me a second here. I, I think what's true for me is, is that I've, I learned very early in my life that if if I want something, I need to make it happen, um, whether that's good or bad. Like I'm in, I'm in in control of my destiny, um, and I think I also learned very early in my life um, that that comes with a lot of sacrifice, and and it's not. It takes work. It it takes hard work. It it. It takes sacrifice. Uh, I mean, if we look at acting, if we look at teaching, if we look at uh, ath athletes, we all, in order to be really good at what it is we want to do, we need to put uh, a certain amount of effort into it. So that was, I think that was always clear to me. Um, and there was a lot of trust that I just followed what it, I followed what was um, coming up for me and or in front of me. So for example, university, I it wasn't even on my horizon because, you know, I thought it ended with high school. What do you mean I have to go to university? But it was that English teacher that said to me, you know, if you decide to go to university or not, doesn't matter, do whatever the uh, curriculum was that I needed to do to even have that as an opportunity. I didn't know why it was certainly more work on my part because I had to do more classes and courses and or more difficult ones, whatever the case was. Um, I remember it being um, a little bit more challenging than just, you know, reciting to I'm going to graduate from high school and go and get a trade. So I, um, I didn't know why, but I trusted that 
she had my best interest at heart and I followed her advice and I, I took the courses. I, I studied hard and, um, and graduated with, um, with the scores that I needed in order to apply to university and get accepted. <clears throat> Didn't get accepted with flying colors. I need to add that. Like, it wasn't like I, you know, exceeded and excelled at everything, but it didn't matter. It, it I got accepted. I got in. And then in, in university, it was really hard, again, for all different reasons. Um, I mean, that was for everyone. It's the first time you leave the house, you leave home, you're living in a dorm room with other people. And, you know, you have to distinguish between what's a party and what's actually work. And, you know, it's, it's just, you know, there's so many new elements to the whole thing. Totally. Uh, did I know? Did I know what I wanted to be? Absolutely not. Yeah. So I followed, like, I, I never had a knowing that this is where what I want to be like some people do like they go and say I want to be a doctor or I want to be a lawyer or whatever I didn't I didn't know that but what I did know is is what I didn't want and I did know what I um what was in my lane like something that I was you know I could get behind and for me that was business um mostly because even in East Germany, I already had uh, small introductions to what um, entrepreneurship could look like. And Your parents? In West, and then my parents, exactly. In, in Canada, when we established the business there, I knew that I don't do well in a, an authoritative kind of employment position where I'm told what to do, when to do it, how to do it. So for me, those things were clear. And so I made my decisions and my choices based on what fit that mold right. the, the most. Um, so that's why I took business in university to uh, to have my doors left open and explore. And then once I graduated from university, I again just followed my instinct. I just knew where I didn't want to be anymore, right? And and chose uh, the place that I ended up moving to based on cost of living because um, I was in mountains of debt from university and um, needed to find a, a job that paid my bills and helped me pay off my student loans. And so uh, that's what why what I based the decision on that it happened to be actually the place that I ended up 20 years at. I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> um, so I think there's a, a lot of um, listening happening, uh, listening inward. And that ironically wow. ended up being the world the, the world that I work in now is the encouragement I have always for my clients is, well, what does your gut tell you? Or what does your heart tell you? What what wow. do you feel in your body is the right thing to do? And uh, as women, we have particularly moved away from that, uh, that in listening to our intuitive selves, uh, we have uh, learned to trust um, outside voices and uh, messages uh, to make decisions about our lives. And, um, and I'm I'm here to help restore that feminine balance. Is there is there room for masculine? Oh, 100%. We can't exist without it. We, we need both. We need the yin and the yang. We need the feminine. We need the masculine. Um, I just feel that there is an imbalance. And I'm here to help restore that balance, to, to bring it back wow. to an equal. Wow, that is so well said. That is just, it's so true. I think that we have women as a whole have just been 
so far removed from listening to our intuition and everything from, you know, when you're, when you're a mother and people telling you what to do with your kids and, you know, or how to, what to eat when you're pregnant or this or that, or like everything. I mean, what to wear Mm -hmm. as just like a woman and what's acceptable, Mm -hmm. what's not acceptable, wearing makeup, not wearing makeup, all of those things. It's even if it's subtle and just sort of small throughout your life it's still there and Mm -hmm. wow that I never even put those two things together as as being you know why we we don't trust ourselves most of the Mm -hmm. time so now you moved and and what were you doing at that point and then how did how did you end up deciding no I I want to you know work with individual clients and now start your consulting company what, what, where was that transition? Mm-hmm. I had an enough moment um, because still at this point, remember, I was, yes, I was listening to the, the opportunities in front of me, but I was also still very much following what we are supposed to do. And I'm air quoting, you know, um, to have, to, to be and have um, that, that best life. And so I followed a career path. Um, Initially, I started out uh, self-employed, but I very quickly learned that with, you know, mountain of debt in student loans, uh, a 100% commission-based job wasn't really ideal for me. Um, It put a lot of pressure and stress on me financially, and uh, that triggered a whole avalanche of different things you know, addiction being one of them that, again, my coping mechanism, um, using alcohol to tame the tame that was um, on the horizon at that point. And I moved to a city where I was on my own, like my parents weren't here, my, um, uh, I had just split up from my then fiance. So I was, um, I f- it felt very much uh, like I was all by myself and I had to once again figure all of this out on my own. Um, and I found my way. I um, I eventually, through some ups and downs, got a really uh, consistent job in a, in a company with a company in financial services, which was right in alignment with what I had been learning. And uh, it gave me it gave me the consistency and the steadiness that I needed in order to just, you know, get my legs under me again and, uh, and start building, you know, having enough money to, to buy a, a used car, having enough money to um, you know, pay rent and, and have a, an apartment with a couch and a bed and, you know, all of those things, uh, as we all have to go through when we are, most of us anyways, have to go through when we are leaving our house, leaving our home <laughs> for the first time. And seven years or so into that, I'm, I have a good reputation. I'm, I've really like was on the, uh, on the horizon for good things within the company when again, you know, my intuition came knocking and it said like, really, like, is this really what you want to do with your life? And, um, I was, I was on the road to becoming a manager, um, for within the company that I was at, I was even being mentored by the president of the company. I was definitely on the trajectory to, to being what it is that I thought the world needed me to be. And somehow that didn't sit well with my gut. And it just said, no, this isn't, this isn't where you want to be, Yvonne. You, you, there's bigger things uh, for, for you in store and you need to figure out what that is. 
And so I had an enough moment and uh, basically quit my job, uh, sold everything I had and worked really hard for and um, bought a plane ticket to Europe and went back to my roots, uh, traveled backpacked for nine months through Europe on my own uh, to rediscover who I am and what, you know, what made me and what defined uh, all of the things that, uh, that I thought were so important to me at the time. And that trip was my life change was my was the changing moment where things became very clear they they moved into focus for me i was detached from from the noise that we have around us at all times like it was that 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 moment for me where i could really dwell in all the possibilities that are out there and i on the beaches of tarifa spain i made the decision that if i go back to canada because at that point that wasn't clear. I thought maybe I'll meet some handsome Italian guy or something and you know settle in, <laughs> settle in, settle in a romantic Tuscany or something. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, I was I, I I made a decision on that beach that I was if I go back I'm never going to go back into corporate. I will. I will aim for creating company. Uh, at the time it was a wellness spa that I wanted to create. And, um, and that, that was very clear to me. So I did end up coming back to Canada after nine months because traveling became a bit tiresome for me. And, uh, I started to run out of money as well. And so I came back to Canada and, uh, I started to work on that, on that vision that I had on that beach. Where do you think that comes from that, that sort of tuning in? Do you think that, you know, seeing your parents make these difficult decisions maybe impacted you in that way where you could clearly feel and trust your own intuition when these feelings came up? Yeah. You know, I've never thought of it that way um, before. I think certainly I observed that they made decisions that were totally against the grain and they were very risky for us. I mean, they could have lost their lives over the decisions they made. So they risked everything without knowing where they're going to land. And I'm certain that left an impact on me and and a certain amount of, of learning that we have the capability to do that. Yeah, uh, We all have that ability to do that. I also think that a girlfriend of mine once said to me, um, when is it ever going to be enough for you? Like, because I, I feel like I've always been very incessant, incessant uh, about wanting to find that peace, that calm, that, that harmony. Like I, she, she put it as in like, nothing's ever good enough for you. And, mm. and, and that may have appeared that way. And maybe that's how I went about it at the time. I'm not sure. Looking back today, I know that wasn't what drove me. What drove me was the quest for freedom and, and freedom, right. what freedom meant for me. Um, and I think where it comes from, Ashley, is that we, when we care enough about our lives to stop and listen, we will also then find a way to make it happen. Um, 
it's not always clear. And I think that's where, mm -hmm. where most of us stumble is, is because we think we need to have the answers before we can move forward. And my life experiences have shown me over and over again that that's simply not true. We need to first make the decision that we want something different, and then we'll find the way on how to make that happen will be given to us. It's wow. It'll come, it'll appear. Yeah. And that's almost always how it happens. You have to kind of jump off the cliff. But you have mm -hmm. to trust that there's going to be something that catches you. <laughs> yes. So yes. that's beautiful. I want to talk a little bit about your book and mm -hmm. what sparked you to decide to write about your journey and mm. how that process has been for you. Mm. Uh, it's been it's been such a healing um, process for me to to write about this journey. And I've always known that I wanted to bring my story to life. I thought it was actually going to look like a screenplay and I was going to, um, you know, uh, write it. I didn't know much about it at the time. I was going to write a movie. That's what, that's literally what I said. I'm yeah. going to write a movie. <laughs> um, and then uh, when the pandemic hit, um, I was really struggling because the ghosts of my past basically uh, came back and unresolved trauma uh, came came back in full force. And so I spend a lot of time in therapy. And one of the one of the tools that my therapist had suggested at the time was to write, write it down. And I had been journaling for years, but I've never thought of like writing a book. I mean, it just seems such a daunting thing. And again, like I'm, I've done everything else in my life. I, um, I made the decision. I'm going to write, I'm going to write a book. So what do I need to write a book? And I reversed engineered what, you know, the end result to what do I need to do to get there? And um, part of that was to get help because I've never done this. So I'm going to find someone to help me. And so the process was simple and complex at the same time. I, uh, I enrolled with a couple of groups that were writing groups that um, to kind of get my baseline as to what's what and what's up. And then um, I came across via introduction, because the universe delivers when you put it out there, um, uh, a writing coach. And she, uh, she saw something I'm so grateful for her too just like my English teacher she saw something that I wasn't quite clear on yet and she knew that she had the tools to help me make that happen and so she approached me and she said listen Yvonne like that book that you have in you I can help you bring that out and I will show you exactly how we're going to do that and again I was like okay I'm going to trust this. And I trusted her and I worked with her. It's called developmental editing. And basically we write one chapter at a time and she went through each chapter with me and uh, we helped me develop it. And in that process, I learned how to write better chapters in the future, but also gained a lot of confidence in my voice and what it is that I wanted to bring forth. And so, I mean, um, Thankfully, the shitty first draft didn't make it into the published book um, because that looked very messy. And I'm grateful for the shitty first draft because that's where I left all of my 
that's where all my healing took place. You know, mm. that's where I left my heart was right there. It was all out there on paper and some of it will never be seen by anybody. And I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> and then uh, uh, lots of the core of it is now in the form of, of, of my book. And I'm very proud of it. I, um, it was a wonderful journey to be on and I'm, the feedback I'm already getting from from women all over is they're 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 resonating. They're they're seeing themselves in my stories, and that was all I ever wanted for this was to to share my story and inspire women to how to to be brave enough to just look at their own. They don't even have to write a book about it or speak about it, but at least have the courage to just sit back and and do what what I was saying earlier listen listen to what your own story is and listen to what's not working for you because that's the only way you're going to get to the life that you want and the life that you love wow i feel like your story and your actions that you've taken are like the perfect formula of how to get to where you need to get in your life. In moments where you need assistance, you search for that. You don't say, oh, I, I, I can do it myself or I need to. You are open to those things. And and like you said, then the when you're open to those things, the universe will deliver, even if you have no idea <laughs> what the end goal is. And that's just so inspiring to see because when I'm sure when you're in the thick of it you don't realize and you don't see mm -hmm. but all of these things was just naturally coming from you the you know the tuning into yourself the being open the trusting of of things that will, will come and I have to say it's just really inspiring especially you know knowing now it, you know the hardship that you went through but you like I said before it's you took it and totally turned it on his head and and used it as as your fuel I just realized something um I when you were when you were um feeding this back to me here um I think the difference was is in the past I I listened to my intuition because I was I had no other choice anymore it was mm. like, you know, I was in the thick of it. Like you said, I was, um, there was, it was a surviving. It's like, how do I survive? And what I now do in the work that I do with, with the women that I coach is I, my goal anyways, is to not let it get to that point of desperation or the enough moment per se, like, is an enough moment motivating? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and we don't have to hit rock bottom in order to make changes in our lives to for the better. And I, through my experiences, can now uh, apply that and, and mm. share that and show women how to explore what's possible without getting to that desperate point or rock bottom point. If that makes if that makes any sense, I it just came absolutely. to me. Absolutely, you were saying that it's like, hmm, that's the difference now. <laughs> absolutely, the... absolutely. You know, it's like that actually makes total sense. Mm -hmm. You know, coming from 
a place where it's like, yeah, you, you only had to rely on your instincts and tuning mm-hmm. into yourself. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To mm-hmm. sort of summarize, I try to ask everyone, but what keeps you life curious? And, you know, we've touched on it throughout talking about your journey, but you know, what, what is it that lights your fire and keeps you going in the work that you're doing with women and, and, you know, and with being a speaker and and writing your book, what is it that is just like fueling you under, under, underneath it all? That, uh, what just happened here in conversation, the, the deepening of, of awarenesses and, uh, realizations, uh, that's what keeps the that's what keeps the flame going for me. Um, That is hands down my favorite thing is when I'm in conversation with women or humans in general, and I can create a space or we are both in a space that feels safe enough for both of us to go into the depths of these, uh, of, of our hearts and really expose what's in there and then see the flicker of, Oh my God, that realization that the, the, the flicker of possibility, that is what lights me up. Like, uh, like nothing else. I was super tired the other day. Um, there was just a, a whole bunch of events happening in my life and I was exhausted and I had a coaching call with, with one of my clients and I was literally this close, um, to calling her and saying, can we reschedule? Because I'm not like, I'm, I'm not into it right now at all. And uh, I decided against it because I uh, didn't want to put her off. And you know what, in that hour of talking with her, everything changed for me, I was revitalized, I was re-energized, I was, um, I was laughing again, I was like, this was exactly what I needed. And that's how I know I'm doing what it is that lights me up, because it, it re-energizes me. And what keeps me going is that quest for freedom is, and, yeah. and you know, that quest for uh, just well-being, wanting to live my best life. I, I'm, I have a very deep knowing that life is precious and I've wasted far too much of it in, in elements uh, that weren't very useful and helpful for me. Um, and I'm determined to, to just live my best life and, to make the best impact and the most impact I can in, in the world around me, because I feel like this is where it starts. Like, you know, for me to make, have an impact on the world, I need to have it on my own life first and foremost. And, Mm. and I, um, that's why, like, this is what keeps driving me is, is I can't make it have an impact on the world if I don't start with me. So the, the best thing I can summarize this conversation with uh, for your audience is have the courage and the bravery to sit in it, whatever that it is, sit in it and listen, listen to what it is saying. And then, and then look and see who can help you make the changes that you want to make. That's so beautiful. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing and being so open about your journey, but just to everything, this felt so, um, this felt like a journey in its own <laughs> self <laughs> and exploring yeah, all you. of these things. So thank you very, very much. Where, where can everyone follow you and find you? Uh, where do you prefer mm. people connect with you? 
Thank you. Um, yeah, I think uh, if you want to know more about my story and uh, the work in the world that I do today, um, Freedom Seeker is now out. Uh, you can purchase it anywhere books are sold. Um, get it on Amazon if if uh, that's the easiest. Um, you can also connect with me on my website, which is uh, yvonnewinkler.com. Um, and I am on all social sites as well. Uh, Instagram, Yvonne Winkler. Um, and uh, on Facebook as Yvonne Winkler Lotus Consulting, I think is my handle there. But I love engaging and uh, engaging in good conversations. So I, uh, I appreciate you having me on, on your show and also for asking me all these beautiful questions to guide me through the journey because um, we can all get lost in that. So having the, having the structure and having the questions is really helpful to unravel new insights. See, I had a new <laughs> insight today. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Thank you. And I'll make sure to put everything in the show notes for everyone listening um, so they can connect with you. Thank, thank you, you so much. This was wonderful. <laughs> thank you for having me, Ashley. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode two of season two of Life Curious Women. I hope you enjoyed hearing all about Yvonne's journey. If you loved this episode and you want to support, please subscribe, share Life Curious Women with your friends, or leave a review. All of these will help push the podcast forward. And don't forget to sign up for Audible as a new user at www.audibletrial.com slash lifecuriouswomen. This will also help support the show. Talk to you next time, and make sure to stay life curious.